Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey guys, welcome back to the Play Like a Girl podcast, one of the shows for SB Nation's Ohio State site, Land Grant Holy Land. We are two girls talking about sports because our opinion counts too. I'm your host, Meredith Hine, and I'm thrilled to be joined today by my co-host, Megan Hustline. Hey Meredith, another great week in Buckeye football, so I'm super excited to talk about it with you. Another great week indeed. Um, but we are actually heading into our bye week. So welcome to our official bye week episode, which is of course a time of mid-season reflection of all that has happened in the past few weeks for the Ohio State football team. Uh, we're going to take some time today to dive into some of the bigger themes that we've seen emerge for both Ohio State and the broader football landscape. But first, let's talk about Saturday against Maryland. It's just a total offensive explosion every time we play Maryland. I mean, it's just, it doesn't even look close. There was, you know, a game a couple years ago where it was a little, a little nerve wracking, but I mean, yeah, yeah, but like recently it's just been total blowouts and Saturday was no different. And honestly, the whole team looked really good, which I'm super excited about as a unit. I mean, defense looked great. Obviously run game looked great. Stroud, still looking amazing. So I was super happy with what I saw. Yeah, likewise. Um, so we were now 7-0 and against Maryland. Um, and in six of those seven games, including Saturday, Ohio State and Maryland have combined for 70 or more points. Um, so the over-under for Saturday's game was 71. And it feels like the lesson learned is, I'm sorry, is this gambling advice? Is this illegal? I don't know. (laughs) But like, this is not gambling advice, but it feels like the over has always won for Ohio State, Maryland. Um, They, I mean, they just score a lot of points. I did think that they might go over the century mark, but I was off by a little bit. That's what you get when you have all three quarterbacks playing by the end of the game. 
Right. And I love how you say that they scored a collective 70 plus. Like, you know, probably 90% of those points are Ohio State. So don't give Maryland any credit. I mean, well, not Ohio this State's year. not heavy lifting. But in 2018, the year that the tense year that you're referring to, you know, hey, we went 52, 51, <laughs> um, which was the high watermark of scoring. But yeah, it always just feels like, and I mean, like we obviously drop a lot of points on Rutgers, but it feels like we won those like 52 to seven or something like that with right. Maryland. It's like a different level. And I don't, I just don't understand how, but I'm not mad about it. Obviously, like you said, everyone looked good. Stroud was nearly perfect. Like five touchdowns finding and Alave and Wilson really showing up for him. Each of them hauling in two touchdowns, Jackson Smith and Jigba breaking the century mark and receiving yards. Henderson being able like Stroud to step out early so that master Teague could get some carries. Uh, he had two touchdowns on the ground and another score through the air. Just a really incredible show on offense overall. Right. I mean, it was nice that all the starters got involved. I mean, usually one receiver, maybe two, gets most of the reps. But I was glad to see that Jackson Smith and Jigba finally got a good amount of uh, reps in. And yeah, like you said, all the receivers look good. Henderson, at first, I was a little nervous because I thought Maryland might have figured him out. But I don't know why I doubted because then he just went off for another 100-yard game. So he looked great, and it's honestly fun to see the the second stringers come in. I mean, like, we're just so used to seeing the starters, and then it's pretty much like two different games. Like, the first half, it's just been the starters, and then the second half, the backups come in. So it, it keeps it exciting even in a blowout. Yeah. And speaking of a tale of, you know, two games with your first half starters and your second half backups, we've really had sort of, even in this first half of the season, a tale of two seasons with kind of these broad themes of struggles that we had through the first really three games. And then this emergence of what feels like a very different team that we've seen against Akron Rutgers in Maryland in the last few weeks. I mean, I think the biggest thing has just been this team really just needed to get some games under their belt together, and we're finally starting to see all them mesh, which is evident by all the receivers, you know, getting a good amount of balls from Stroud, and obviously the defense is finally getting its crap together and looking good. I mean, we have how many pick sixes in the last few games? We've had a pick six in in the last four games. Yeah, I mean, like, our defense just looks – like a total 180. Combs is actually, he must have changed something. I mean, he got the game ball on Saturday from day. So I think the biggest thing is just the defense. (laughs) But yeah, totally, total turnaround from the beginning of the season for this team. Definitely. Um, Yeah, I mean, just to emphasize the point, you know, after Minnesota, after Oregon, even after like such a great game against Oregon and then against Tulsa, so many questions surrounding Stroud and quarterback controversy. And can we, like, we can put this to bed now, right? Like it's done. Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I was definitely one of those people who was questioning if he should be our starter or not, which was just, I don't know. I just love poking the bear and, you know, causing an argument among people, but Stroud has definitely solidified his status. I mean, He's been Big Ten Freshman of the Week every week. 
besides what Henderson was the other week. But I mean, well, there was that one time he didn't play that he probably didn't win. Right. I think Henderson's still won that. So I think Ohio State <laughs> has swept that every week. But yeah, Stroud has just looked amazing. I mean, his arm is just unbelievable. If he can get the run game going a little bit more, I mean, he looks a little timid when he takes off. But hey, as long as he got his arm, he's good. So I'm happy with what I see. And, you know, Stroud is an example of kind of the team as a whole really elevating their game and really coming together. We've seen it basically at every position group uh, that's continued to improve throughout the year. Stroud's continued to get better. Henderson, you know, is a true freshman, like obviously he has not reached his ceiling and has been continuing to climb upward. Um, offensive line gelling, defense gel, everyone coming together. Um, I think we said it even after the Oregon lost loss. At that point, it was very much wishful thinking, but definitely feeling the 2014 vibes again. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're in full force and I am all for it. I mean, I'm not happy that we lost, obviously, but like it just makes the season more exciting that it's not okay, we're just going to win again this week. Like, no, they lost, and now they have to claw their way back up to the top. And I believe that we are legitimate national title contenders, not just as an Ohio State fan, but I think with our wins coming back and this the way that our, our offense is looking and the team as a whole, I mean, we're coming back, and it's definitely giving me 2014 vibes. Definitely. And looking at the college football landscape as a whole, I mean – what we see in terms of title contenders has really shifted even just in the last week. I mean, Bama lost to an unranked team. Nick Saban lost to a former assistant for the first time in his career. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's oh my bananas. Gosh. Yeah. He was 24 and O against former assistants. And then Unranked Texas A&M, Jimbo Fisher comes in and upsets, upsets Alabama. I mean, you should have seen it. Campus went crazy when Bama lost. It was just, oh, everyone was so happy. And, I mean, I think it makes it for an interesting college football landscape, too. I mean, like we talked about earlier a couple of weeks ago in the podcast, Alabama is vulnerable. I mean, Bryce Young still looked, you know, great. Heisman candidate, obviously. But... It shows that Alabama is not the Alabama of the past, especially last year. So definitely makes for an interesting shakeup in the rankings. For sure. And UC continuing to climb in the rankings, uh, hitting the number three spot this week behind Iowa, the number two team in the nation who beat Penn State on Saturday uh, and also a bananas game. This was such a great weekend of college football, Megan. Like there's too much to talk about. We literally cannot cover everything. Um, but to sum up, basically, you know, we have one loss, Alabama, one loss, Ohio State, like one loss, Oregon, who's probably going to lose more games now that they've sadly lost basically all of their star players at this point. Um, but you know, the, the race for the playoffs has gotten really interesting. Oh, for sure. And okay. Ohio people are going to hate me, but Cincinnati, I mean, three really like, I don't know about that one. Oklahoma four. Oh, that's, I hate that's that ridiculous. I, I mean, hate, let's I, talk I mean, about, okay. We, again, we have limited yes. time here, but let's talk about Oklahoma, mm -hmm. Texas. All right. So Spencer Rattler. 
Heisman front runner heading into the season benched against Texas. I never thought Spencer Rattler was good ever. I want to put that out there. I mean, I think they just gave him the, you know, the best odds at the beginning of the season because there was literally no one else. And people were like, oh, I've heard of that Oklahoma quarterback. So let's give him the odds. But I mean, he just hasn't looked good at all. Like you almost lost to Texas. Like they, I, I really thought they were going to, I was excited, but yeah, to be benched. I mean, I wonder what that's going to look like going forward. Like, do you think he'll keep his, he'll get back to being the starter? Like who knows? I don't know. But I have to say, I like, as an onlooker with my personal popcorn, I love just observing every portion of this disaster. Right. Because first of all, you have Oklahoma benching Rattler and then you have Texas not collapsing. Like it was an entertaining game to watch, but like everyone saying at halftime, like Texas is back and like already like, you know, predicting their win. And then of course, Texas falls apart. And then like the best part of the whole situation is that it sucks for the big 12, no matter what, because those are their two best teams. Neither of them are probably going to make the playoff and they're both going to leave for the SEC like it's so perfect (laughs) yeah the Big 12 is just oh man they're on a struggle laughing at the Big 12's collective misery but like (laughs) you know I I guess I am I'm I'm sorry Big 12 and Big 12 fans (laughs) hey we can't relate in the Big 10 we are absolutely on top of the world right now I mean what we cannot relate we're so good we're so We're good. So we do good. have five teams in the top 10. The SEC has two. Big 12 and Pac-12 have one. And the highest ranked ACC team is Wake Forest. Like, does anyone think that Wake Forest has a shot at making the playoff? Like, literally, who would have predicted this? Like, I just still can't get over that. Like, Clemson is nowhere to be found. I mean, Wake Forest at 16. Like, the Big Ten is the best. I mean, there's nothing else to say. Like, I'm going to commandeer a Big 12 term and say that this is bedlam, and I absolutely love it. It really is. Oh, I just, I love college football. This is why college football is the best. You'll never know what to expect. And this week was a full show of that. I mean, this weekend was just so great. Oh man, life is so good right now. Um, Anyway, we have some more topics coming up for you, uh, but we're going to take a quick break first to stay with us. Welcome back. So as excited as we are about football and as we mentioned, an incredible slate of games this past weekend, There is a limit to our excitement, and we do recognize that this game is not life and death. Unfortunately, there was a really tragic story that did come out this weekend um, after Mian died in a shooting over the Alabama-Texas A&M football game. This is just a terrible story. I mean, I know we love sports, especially in America, and we get very passionate about them, but I mean, come on, like shooting someone over debating whose team is better like we're better than that I hope as a society and I just cannot fathom why this happened I mean I can get coming at someone's head on Twitter but this is just way too far and 
hopefully they find the suspect and people realize that this is just very wrong and it doesn't happen again. Definitely. I mean, we on this show have regularly done reminders to not come at people like punters or kickers or really anyone who's playing for a college football team. Um, well, who until this year was not getting paid. Now they're getting paid, I guess. I don't know. Um, but really there's no reason to be threatening anyone or, uh, feeling a personal sense of possession over a college football team or result. Um, and it really should not be impacting well-being in this way. Uh, so obviously, you know, keeping this person's family in our thoughts. Um, and as you said, hoping for justice in the end. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Yep. Um, in other serious news, uh, we are watching the developing story of John Gruden. Um, so recently, uh, news came to light of emails that were sent back in 2000 and email, excuse me, that was sent back in 2011 from John Gruden while he was working at ESPN as a commentator uh, in which he used a racial slur. Um, the reason this is a developing story is uh, apparently recently, as recently as today, and we're recording on Monday, the NFL did send the Raiders additional emails uh, from John Gruden. Uh, and so it looks like the story is actually getting bigger. Yeah, this is also definitely not a good look for John Gruden. And I was actually just watching Sports Center, and I apparently Keyshawn Johnson, who played under Gruden, called it back then. I mean, he said that Gruden was never a good guy, and there's always just like something off about him. And obviously, that's coming to light with these emails. And it's just an unfortunate situation. I mean, I get it. It was, you know, it wasn't even that long ago, probably like 15 years ago or so, but. Still, I mean, it shows, yeah, it's, it shows that a lot of change still needs to be done. Um, he is remorseful, but at the same time, an apology doesn't really mean much. I mean, hopefully he physically shows some changes and reaches out to Smith and Goodell and just this gets solved in the proper way. Yeah. And, you know, we were talking about it last night and this is just when we knew about the one email back in 2011 and, you know, it felt like an apology, a fine, like felt like the appropriate response now. Um, and now with these additional, you know, data points coming to light, it feels like, you know, there's some talk of stricter action. I was also watching sports center right before recording. Um, and, you know, folks are talking about suspension for a game. Um, the Monday night countdown crew was talking about the distraction. This has been, you know, the Raiders lost a very close game to Justin Fields and the Chicago bears yesterday. <laughs> um, just feels through his first NFL touchdown. Yay. Uh, Yay. Through the air, we should clarify. Um, but, uh, you know, it was a close game and how much this was a known thing when they played the game. So how much was this distracting players? How much was this distracting Gruden and his preparation? Um, and frankly, like this, the story of the Raiders this week and in the last few days has not been their plan. The field has been this story about John Gruden. Um, and so how much will his distraction continue to impact his team? Right. I mean, this is, I just feel so bad for the players. I mean, this has been the Raiders year. Like they've looked very good. And now this is just taking away all the attention from them. And I'm sure they're having trouble focusing on just playing football because this obviously, obviously goes beyond football. 
So I think this was a huge part of, you know, why they lost against the Bears. I mean, it's just hard to stay focused on the game when your own coach is saying things like that. So I think he's probably lost the locker room, and it's going to be tough to get their trust back and their respect. Absolutely. Um, speaking of other coaches who have continued to be distractions for their team, um, and I promise maybe we'll stop talking about him when he actually wins the game or like doesn't do something ridiculous that is just such an easy target. But Urban Meyer has yet to win a football game. The Jags once again lost their 0-5. This is just a joke. This is turning into a fiasco. Like, I I think Urban has got to go. I mean, he, like, the Jags just don't look good at all. And then he gets himself into this situation. Like, you're a distraction to the team. You're not even a good coach to the team. Like, I think still, I know it's early in the season, but I honestly think he's got to go. Did you see any of the, did you see his post-game press conference or the commentary from the post-game press conference or the photo from the post-game press conference? Oh my gosh. I saw a little bit, but yeah, fill me in. The photo was great. First of all, like he was literally surrender cobring like the cameras. (laughs) Um, But it was incredible the way that he could not take responsibility. So when asked why basically uh, Carlos Hyde was in on the final series when Jacksonville had a chance to win, um, he basically said that he doesn't want to micromanage his coaches. And it's like, okay, like, or you just made a mistake. Like, are you really saying that when the game is on the line, you're not going to have a say in what your offensive coaches are doing. Right. Like, I mean, no one believes that you, yeah, that's kind of your job to do. So ugh, at least also, come up with a better excuse at the end of the day. Right. Like the team is on your shoulders and you just totally failed at the end of the game and you lost another game for your team. So, Oh, urban. This is so bad. I mean, yeah. yikes. Well, I guess the good news for Urban is that the NFL season is a marathon and not a sprint, and there are still 11 games to go. And with that, that's my very rough transition into our last topic of the day, because we have to end on a more positive note. Um, But we did uh, have two of the world's major marathons occurring this weekend maybe for the first time ever. Um, The Chicago Marathon took place on Sunday and the Boston Marathon took place on Monday. Obviously the Boston Marathon normally takes place in April, but was moved this year um, and took place for the first time since April, 2019, before the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, So obviously incredibly inspirational. Um, We saw two first time champs from Kenya excuse me, at Boston. So congrats to Benson Kipruto and Diana Kipyoki, um, who both took home their first Boston gold medals. Oh, that's just so exciting. I mean, every year I watch or I hear about the Boston Marathon and I'm just like, how? Like, how do people do it? I mean, in, in like it's, under three hours? Like, what? It's a like, tough race, too. So... Fun fact about the course is it's downhill for like eight miles and then it's flat and then it's uphill starting at like mile 22. Oh God. That just, oh, and people do that willingly. Like I just, that's not my idea of fun. 
But hey, that's a great accomplishment and kudos to them because <laughs> it, it just it will never be me. It will never be me. I'll just happily celebrate their victories. Yeah. It's a it's a tough one. Uh I've I've died on the course a few times. Um, but it is, I mean, but the thing is like at the very end, like the atmosphere is so worth it. And you want to talk about like incredible sporting events, like that are all they're hyped up to be like the crowd support at Boston is just incredible. Like you feel like such a celebrity and like even running up that hill at the very end, like crowds are like three deep. I think they estimate about a million people who turn out to watch every year. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's a tough, <laughs> it's a really tough course, <laughs> but the overall experience is incredible. And like, you know, you finish and you're like, that sucked. And then you like walk around with your medal for like a few hours and you're like, oh no, I'm so cool. <laughs> that was worth hey, it. That's good for you. I'll cheer for you, but I'll, I'll stick with the 5k. I mean, Hey, three miles isn't bad either, but 26 yeah, that's just amazing. Good for you. Good it's for a, you, Meredith. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I did not run any of these races this weekend. Good for all of these incredible folks you got to uh, enjoy these races. Um, anyway, before we wrap up the show today, Megan, shall we do our shout outs? Yeah, so I'm going to keep the marathon talk going with Shalane Flanagan. I hope I didn't butcher her name, but... She ran both marathons, which are back-to-back days. And both ones, she ran in under three hours. So, what? (laughs) So, I saw her at Chicago. Are you serious? So She's like a celebrity. Okay, okay, okay. So, Dave and Ruthie, our dog, and I were volunteering at our animal shelters, like charity tent that's along the course. And like, they call it volunteering, but really you're just like cheering on all the runners. So like, that's such a fun day. Um, and all of a sudden we see this like lady with like an entourage and we're like, what's going on? And I'm like, oh my God, that's, that's Shalane Flanagan. Um, and she was fast and she had an entourage. And we were like, that's, that's cool. So cool. But we like, we all just like looked at each other. Cause, uh, we were like, isn't she running Boston tomorrow? Like what, what's she doing here? That's awesome. I mean, she seriously is a celebrity. I mean, any person who can run two marathons in back-to-back days. I mean, it was, come on. I mean, I can't imagine how sore her legs must've been. Uh, anyway, Um, I have a lot of shout outs, so please just bear with me. Um, so first of all, I don't know. Did you see the tweet with Sarah Fuller and Sarah Thomas at the Cowboys Giants game? Yes, that was so awesome. And I loved Sarah Fuller's comment or caption too. And she's just talking about all the broken ceilings that were just made that day. I mean, that was awesome. So that was Super, super cool. Like shout out to both of them, like at to your point, breaking all of the glass ceilings. Also shout out to J.R. Smith who played his first, uh, <laughs> oh man, <laughs> who played his first golf tournament at North Carolina A&T. 
Um, also, uh, echoing your shout out uh, to Shalane Flanagan, but also all the runners from Chicago and Boston, 26.2 miles is no short distance as we've discussed. Uh, and that's super impressive. Um, and then last shout out goes to, um, on a very serious note to Ryan day. Um, it was world mental health day earlier this week. Um, and Ryan day did share a very heartfelt story. Uh, if you did not catch it, it was on college game day on Saturday. Um, and, uh, kudos to him for being able to, you know, talk about this very tough story and attempt to, uh, work to make a more positive impact for mental health among adolescents. Yeah. I love all that he does for mental health and how much he really makes that a priority with his team. And, you know, him and his wife, Nina have a foundation supporting mental health among young kids. So, it's just great what he's doing because he's working to get rid of that stigma around mental health and he's definitely making positive change towards it. So kudos to him for being courageous enough to share some of his story. And it just makes me so happy to see all the work that he's doing. Absolutely. That's all we have for today. As a reminder, you can follow Megan at Megan Hustline, me at Meredith Hine, and the site at Langrit33. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks again for listening to Play Like a Girl. And as always, go Bucks.